Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast, a podcast that aims to inspire, engage and connect social workers with other social workers and allied health professionals doing interesting and amazing things across the world. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the Inside Social Work podcast. This is part two in the series that I'm doing with Lachlan Slade, looking at gender and sexuality diversity. In the last episode, we talked a little bit about um, getting names right, language, uh, not so much definitions because there's lots of places to find that. But we talked about when we get it right, when we get it wrong, and uh, some of the things that are really important to consider. There'll be a link to that um, in the show notes or just have a look at last week's episode and you'll find everything you need in that one. Today Lachlan and I were talking about implicit bias and how that shows up in a counselling space, in case management, in, in anywhere that you work as a social worker and some of the things that you can do to reflect on that and check in with yourself. Lachlan has uh, worked on a workbook that's available for download. Um, There'll be a link to that in the show notes where you can work through some of these different questions for yourselves in your own time as well. I hope you enjoy this chat with Lachlan Slade. Hello and welcome back to part two of this series with Lachlan Slade. Welcome back Lachlan. Thank you, good to be back. Uh, So last episode we talked about um, you don't look gay enough. What was how would mm. we label it? Um, yeah, uh, you don't look gay. Yeah, yeah. Talking about language and why it's important. Some of the assumptions we make. Uh, what to do if you get it wrong? Yes. So if you haven't heard that, uh, you don't need to listen to it to listen to this. But mm. we'll link to that in the show notes and feel free to check out um, the episode before this to learn a little bit more about language. Today's uh, conversation will be looking at implicit bias in terms of, we're looking more at gender and sexuality rather than um, implicit bias in a range of different areas, Mm. um, which we might cover one day, but in this particular conversation we're looking at gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Tell us all about it, Lachlan. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I think, look, from the outset I've thinking about this episode, I think we as social workers are very well placed to work with and to neutralise our implicit bias because so much of our training is about reflecting on ourselves, our upbringing, who we are ourselves in practice and how to leverage that to work for us and to, I suppose, neutralise some of the elements that aren't you know, working for us in terms of our upbringing and our what we bring to, um, you know, counselling or community or whatever space that we're working in. Um, when we talk about implicit bias, what we're talking about is, of course, um, the the biases that we have towards groups of people, individuals, the way people look, the way you know people's lifestyles or backgrounds, whatever that might be, and the negative, positive, neutral attributes that our brain kind of tags Mm. to those attributes. Um, 
and of course we're talking about much uh, I suppose almost primal parts of our, our thinking and our um, understanding of people that you know, we, we often find um, our implicit bias has its home within our limbic system, you know, our fight, flight, survival mm. states, um, sort of space. So we find that implicit bias will often come out um, not necessarily when we're consciously thinking about something, but more when it's, yeah, when we're implicitly thinking about something, hence the name, yeah. Can you give an example? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, um, for example, I think, um, and you know, a few trigger warnings uh, on this episode as well um, for particularly queer people listening. Um, that you know, there there is um, for a lot of us who've grown up, you know, particularly through the nineties and early two thousands, there was the bias and the the, the bullshit essentially of gay men being pedophiles, mm. that sort of thing. Um, if you didn't know, that is, of course, a very incorrect um, bias to have. Um, that, you know, usually this was something that was espoused by a lot of um, religious extremists and, um, you know, conservative politicians. And I realise, of course, this is something that came up a lot in the same-sex marriage debate even more recently. Um, and I use the term debate very loosely, <laughs> um, referring to that. Um, but even if we don't believe that, if we've grown up in a society where that's a message that is put across, and when it's that, that primal of, you know, what about the children sort of, sort of mm. messaging, that sometimes um, digs its way into our brain not in a way that we want it to, not in a way that we are actively going, oh yes, that's that's an important message, I'm going to squirrel that away in a special part of my brain to remember. Our brain just has a way of, of sponging on to that sort of stuff. Um, again, I suppose another reason why language, picking up from the last episode, is so important. So it's recognising that as humans, we are going to pick up on these countless biases that we might have. And there's lots, you know, around AIDS, around, um, you know, even some, you know, less um, less negative biases of, you know, all gay men are effeminate and that sort of mm. thing. It's not necessarily a very negative bias, but it might be an incorrect bias and that sort of thing. Um, it's being aware of mm. these things as social workers. Yeah. So under this um, would be things like racism and sexism, like it all fits yeah. under this umbrella. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Any phobia or ism has a very similar pattern in our brain, yeah. Even, but it doesn't always have to, have to be a obia or ism, right? Like yes. it could be oh, yes. in, you know, if you're looking through resumes and you see a particular surname the assumptions you make or you know around i think cultures are just an easy one to think of yes right absolutely absolutely and you know i think particularly um in a rural community where everyone knows everybody you Mm. know a particular surname will speak Mm. volumes because you know you may have known of that person and you know sometimes that may have classist backgrounds or something as well sometimes though it is you know I was bullied by a kid at school with the same name or something that it's not so much a 
you know, a class or an ism. It's a personal experience. Oh, that reminds me of when people are trying to choose a name for their child and someone throws the name. They're like, oh, no, that person was uh, just a prick. We had a so-and-so in my school and uh uh-uh. Oh, yes. We knew that one. Yes. (laughs) So how does... I think we've got a few things to cover today. We want to talk a little bit around how we check in with ourselves about our own implicit bias. How does representation or lack thereof when it comes to the queer community um, contribute to implicit bias? So, so much. So, so much. And I think there's, you know, we see a lot of um, conversation around queer representation in media and that sort of thing. And, you know, some will discount that as, you know, well, what about queer homelessness or whatever, you know, a, a very big issue might be. And they're one in the same. They're, they are you know, all very similar issues, that when we see non-binary people on our TV, we then have a frame of reference for that very primal part of our brain Mm. to make reference to that, and it's important to have that diversity of... And not just like the token, Yes. whatever, um, non-binary person or gay best friend. Exactly. It's sort of, you know, and I'm seeing it in some TV shows I watch, you know, one of the nurses happens yes. to have they them pronouns or yes. a teacher at school yes. brings a same sex partner to an event. Like they're not caricatures of a particular stereotype. Yes. They are just being themselves. That's it. In they an are intersectional casted. community. Like yes. they they educate, they work, they have kids, like it's Yes, they are not cast as you are the non-binary character, you are the nurse who happens to be. Yes. Or the whatever that is also. Yes. Yeah. So our brain uses that as a point of reference. Yes. How does that then start to challenge misassumptions? Yeah. um, Sorry, can you clarify that one a little bit? So if we start, so if we'd never seen um, or heard of a non-binary person. Yes. And then we saw in a newspaper somewhere that all non-binary people, I'll make it up, love the colour orange. Yes. And then we see someone in orange and we think they must be non-binary. Exactly. But then you start seeing non-binary characters on Grey's Anatomy or whatever show you watch. Um, And you're like, oh. Yes. They can like all different coloured clothing. That's it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's, yeah, when it it is important to get, get... that nuance for, for those reasons, isn't it? So that we can get an accurate frame of reference for our clients, for people in our lives, our neighbours, mm. our, our whoever it might be. And um, yeah, very important to yeah make sure that there is that nuance and that depth of, of character in representation and e- even in our workplaces as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of us are starting to see um, pronouns as a standard thing in email signatures that you know when we see you know the person from IT has um, you know they pronouns it's like oh okay there's a person in IT they're, they're not you know I suppose myself working in an LGBTIQ specific role um, they're just doing IT um, that representation that that visibility mm. really matters for that definitely yeah absolutely and for our clients as well yes. um, I think if they see it advertised in our 
communications or in our organisation, that sort of helps as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And even for, um, because, you know, I certainly specialise in seeing um, queer communities, but many of my clients are straight cis um, people as well. And, yeah, and, uh, um, you know, a little while ago did um, a post for... um, International Non-Binary Day, and I was very deliberate in saying, you know, your friendly neighbourhood envy, just doing non-binary things like counselling people, because it's, you know, it's going, this is one job mm. that a non-binary person can do, among many things. Yeah, yeah it's really great. Yeah. Counselling, good job. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> How do we incorporate reflective practice that's a big thing for the social Mm. profession how do we use that um to then check in with our own reactions you know like what what can we Mm. can we start to do absolutely so so much so so much i think (laughs) all Um, right pens and papers out folks here we go (laughs) yes (laughs) and i believe you're working on um some resources that people can download um after this if they're interested definitely definitely um a workbook on some some journal prompts, I suppose. Some whether it's a journal, whether it's you know something to mull over in your mm. head um, around some questions, some critical questions mm. to, to ask yourself. And I think you know one one example is um, you know think of a particular gender or sexuality and how was that? How were lesbian women, for example, represented in your life growing up in your family of origin? particular because mm. so much of our frame of reference comes from that how were lesbians spoken about um or were they spoken about at all oh they were like some sexual fantasy or creepy yes. old man thing yes exactly how do you tackle and i'd love to come back to that example and think about how you unpack that yes but people who say oh i don't see color or i don't see gender yes. it was like yes. you can't fix it if you absolutely it's like that's I'm calling BS. Yes, precisely, precisely. And uh, it's interesting, the, I've got a workshop coming up in, in Shepparton um, in November and I've very deliberately chosen the term neutralising queerphobia in that, that we're not about getting rid of it or smashing it or ignoring it or we're neutralising it. There's an active component to that, recognising its existence in mm. our brain I have queer phobia in spite of working or may, no I'll even change my language there it's not in spite of working within LGBTIQ communities it is in part because of because I live in the world I have biases towards different people because we all do and when we can neutralise that and, and to be clear about that that differentiation it's about recognising naming it first of all and being I suppose a, a radical acceptance that comes with that. It's not an embracing. Mm. It's not a shoving it away. It's accepting. Oh, that's a very act thing yes. for you. This <laughs> yes, I, I do like act. So yes, um, and that's acceptance and commitment therapy, not the Australian yes. Capital Territory for those listening. Correct. Just in case you confuse the two somehow. <laughs> yes, exactly. Who would? But <laughs> you never know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it is about accepting the existence yeah. of that bias and then working with it and going, all right, when when this thought crops up in my brain, 
what do I do? What mm. does my body language say? How, how do I, and if I don't know, how do I typically react when a thought like this comes into my brain? Mm. Do I tend to be hostile? Do I tend to try and run away from the situation? Do I tend to not try and talk about it? Mm. Do I, and how is that different from my being? Yeah. Um, am I usually very open? Yeah. But for this, I'm like, okay, gay, cool, next, next topic, too yeah. hard, too hard. Um, and being able to, yes, and spend that time recognising, reflecting on that and mm. getting a habit of reflection in that. So reflective practice, I mean, I think it's really difficult to do completely on your own without some mm. prompts of some kind or without yes. supervision because Absolutely. you can't, I mean, you need to be, ch- I think you need to be challenged yes. and be uncomfortable to then grow. Yes. And I think around... Um, you know, going to the gym and lifting weights, you need a heavier weight to yes. then feel the discomfort of the muscle Absolutely. to then build the muscle or run a little bit further or a little bit faster, a little bit longer Absolutely. to build your fitness. Yes. Um, so the journaling prompts are really great. Yes. If we go back to that example you mentioned, and mm. I'll just avert, neither of us are lesbian women, so yes. we're using <laughs> this as a hypothetical. Yes. How does how might that impact the work you do? So if I'm working with um, a teenager, a young adolescent client in my practice and they mention they've got two mums, mm-hmm. how might this implicit bias, like what might that mean that I overlook, for example? So if I was yes. coming to you for supervision Absolutely. and I was talking about this client and I just do mm-hmm. an, oh, and, and their mums said X, Y, Z, how could we explore things that I might have overlooked? So it might not be as much as I'm definitely not homophobic. I'm not yes. thinking, well, that's ridiculous. I can't have two mums. Or which child, whose mum is like, I yes. I'm, might just overlook things. Yes, absolutely. What could I start thinking about? Yes, I think it's, I think one thing is recognising the tropes that come with that and, and recognising, getting your, I suppose, your sociological imagination, um, going back to you know, some of our sociology classes, um, around that of recognising how do, how does society treat lesbian women, particularly in a couple, particularly when they've got a child, that there's, you know, the old thing of, you know, everyone needs a strong male role model sort of stuff. Okay, how could that have impacted on my client growing mm. up? And, and to be clear about that, recognising that as that's not necessarily so that everyone needs a strong male role model in their life, that recognising that they're, you know, a, a family is whole as it is mm. and being able to go, okay, how have people treated this family? I was going to ask, so it's more yeah. than just my reactions, it's yes. understanding other people's, yes. the comments that that family may receive. Absolutely. The fear that they might have engaging with new services, like absolutely, that's part of their. And think about it in a family therapy perspective, mm. like their their legacy or yes. the, the narrative that mm. they have. Absolutely. Of absolutely. things being safe or unsafe, or yes, and that's a really important one too. That for so much of the queer community, the the impacts of queer phobia on individuals on families can have their lasting effects 
even for you know well-rounded um, parents who do the work and you know go to counselling, mm. whatever it might be. Sometimes you know the how that family engages in society. It might be that 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 family avoids certain situations, and what does that yep. mean? What are the follow-ons for that? Um, yeah, how how is that protecting or disadvantaging your client? Um, these sorts of things, mm. and I suppose recognizing in there that there's certain elements of toxic positivity that can come with mm. that. <laughs> <laughs> but and oh, that may may not be exactly the right word, but um, recognizing that we don't want to see our LGBTIQ clients as wholly positive and no I think yeah. I think it is the right word because it's dismissive mm. in nature yes yes um, it's showing our discomfort or it's putting someone on a pedestal yes. or expecting them to be extraordinary when exactly. some people are perfectly happy being ordinary and we don't put that exactly. weight on someone else exactly exactly wow yeah the yeah and to put it more <laughs> bluntly the 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 lesbian mothers may be just as likely to be engaged in child protection as a straight couple or a single mother or victims or of abuse or correct yeah absolutely with implicit bias so let's say you want to work on this in mm-hmm. supervision do you just have supervision on implicit bias or is mm-hmm. it a yeah. something you incorporate yes into your regular way of of being supervised or case conceptualized like how do you yeah. if you're listening to this and thinking wow i never thought of it this way yeah um i've never thought about the 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 intersectionality or how i show up as a therapist and i think we'll have another whole episode on on that yeah. as well Absolutely. um what do you what do you do yes. <laughs> how do you how do you do it absolutely <laughs> i think finding the right supervisor is really important and there's two really great ones right here absolutely (laughs) absolutely (laughs) not that we're biased at all (laughs) speaking of bias (laughs) um but i I know i've been very lucky in my supervisors that implicit bias and and use of self in Mm -hmm. practice has been to some degree and in different ways a regular part of my supervision with my supervisors past and present um but not all supervisors are good at it. And again, my bias is showing, I think social workers are usually better at it. But again, not all social workers mm. will get that properly. That, you know, the I suppose the dominance of psychology, particularly in mental health spaces, can mean that sometimes social workers will tend more towards psychological ways of thinking and the, yeah, there's probably a whole episode on that, but yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, if you're looking at things very individualistic, you're yes. probably going to overlook some of those uh, relational or intersectional things yes. because that's, I guess, how it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to... Uh, I've got so much to say about supervision in general. Yes, um, yes. That's an episode I recorded earlier this year, but... Yes. I'm just trying to think, how do you, how would you introduce it? So let's say, mm-hmm. um, I'll, show, I'll tell you some of the things that I might do mm-hmm. and tell me what you think. And, and yeah. this is not just for those in therapy. I think uh, like private practice or counselling uh, social workers because we, this is, this is bare bone social work, reflective yeah. practice stuff, right? Absolutely. Of what, what's your 
immediate reaction or assumption and they're they're so immediate and so obvious that we don't even think that other people could think of it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I was, think, I was listening to a, a radio um, segment today around, I can't remember the name of the drug, but it's used to reverse um, opioid overdoses. Oh, yes. And yep. they were talking about the supplies of mm. some people like, oh, no, I don't want to stock that because that's for junkies. Or, yes. um, you know, sometimes we just have these automatic yep. things that... Yeah. We've never thought they could be different. That's it. So when talking about gender and sexuality, yes. one of the, yeah. the questions that I sometimes will reflect on with mm. my supervisees is, mm. yeah, what were those roles like for you growing up? Yes. What was, like you said, what was portrayed in the media? How has that changed yeah. now? Because sometimes I think, and I've struggled with this, where I can the pendulum can swing the other way, where I'll go yeah. all in yes. um, on sort of pro and advocate yes. and that can be too much because i'm trying to over maybe yes. not intentionally overcorrect, but yes absolutely and it's uh, I, I get the image and, and we did a bit in our um, q a with um parents of trans kids of you know the 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 parents who go all in and you know i'm i'm a proud parent of and it's the kids like oh we back um yeah how i think one one thing that, and I think I'm answering this question here, is the Jahari window comes to mind of what we we know, what we know, the unknown knowns, the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns, and that's it's that we don't know what we don't know yep. element there. Um, it is hard to get that balance sometimes because I think we do tend at least a little bit, mm. you know, towards you know not reflecting enough or. Mm. reflecting maybe too much or advocating too much not advocating enough um i think again supervision can be a really important thing yeah. but also i think if supervision supervision is working well we start to maybe get our supervisor's voice in our head um or oh my goodness <laughs> mine yes i've had a few they're like little i feel like yes. a cartoon where you've got like the little mm. devil yes. and then the little angel sitting on both shoulders. And I'm yes. like, I know what the little angel would say because my yes. super voice is the voice. Yes. But damn, the other one's tempting too. <laughs> I know, I know. Regularly, daily even. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, being able to build on that, reflect mm. on it. It's something that th there is no destination with mm -hmm. this sort of stuff. This is something that develops over time. For example, like, and I, I often get frustrated with um discussions around you know at least we're making it better for the next generation or you know the youth will save us it's <laughs> frankly that's reductive bullshit because we aren't in this linear progression yeah. thing in history history tells us that over and over again that our implicit bias today versus implicit bias when the same-sex mm. marriage plebiscite was on will be different yeah, because there's sure. different messages coming at us we develop yep. differently when we're more stressed, our implicit biases might come out more and so on and so forth mm. and it evolves within us over time. Yeah. So if people want to, and I'm probably putting you on the spot because you have mm -hmm. some of this in the downloadable workbook, yes. but if people wanted to, after listening to this episode, just kind of yeah. do a few you know, conversation pieces with peer, peer supervision or in supervision mm. or some journaling, what are, yeah. could you pose maybe five mm. possible 
questions mm. yeah. for them to check in and reflect on about, yeah. um, especially just in, in terms of gender and sexuality yes. diversity, because that's, I guess, the little series we're doing. Absolutely. So what are five sorts of yeah, prompts? questions and prompts, yeah. I think the first thing, and I'm going to be a pain and go back one step, I think <laughs> one of the most important things and in group supervision, in workshops that I run, I um, always make sure that the space that we create, and I think this is important for our own individual work mm. too, is a space where there is no such thing as a dumb question, right. where we're in this uncomfortable safe space that we have to be uncomfortable to get through this yeah. sort of stuff, as long as we're feeling safe. Yeah, so the psychological safety of the supervisor-supervisee relationship or the peer group. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That, that we feel like we can come out with potentially queerphobic stuff in the context of exploring implicit bias and to be respectfully and uh, pulled up and gone, ah, there's that queerphobia. How about this instead? Or Which is amazing, right? Because you hear, you're listening to this, you're maybe yes. trying to create something different. Yes. That, once we know better, we do better. Correct. And that's, that's an ongoing process. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we need a safe yes. space. Yep. Um, and I guess if you're doing this work on your own and you're, you're journaling, you can create that as well. Like it's yes. not to be judgmental to yourself. There can be self-compassion. Yes. Um, if you're going to do this as a peer group, maybe you need a few yes. know, group norms, group mm -hmm. you know rules. I hate using group Absolutely. rules, but yeah. I know. I know. Guidelines for exactly. whatever successful group group. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it, it is important mm. to say we we're, we're going to stretch ourselves and we might get it wrong. Exactly. Just exactly. like if you're trying a new, uh, and I'm just thinking of the gym because I'm mm -hmm. in pain from the gym exercise, yeah. so it's on my brain all day, you know, if you're yes. going to try a new piece of equipment, yes. you you might get the positioning wrong, you might have the trainer come and adjust you, you might have them, yes. you might do a lower um, weight so that you can see yes. if the movement feels comfortable for you and you might make adjustments. So Absolutely. You're gonna get, it's going to feel clunky and awkward and you might just need that support to be like, this is the first time I'm doing this. That's it. I'm going to be clunky and awkward. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we've created yes. the psychological safety. Yes, absolutely. Um, the five questions. Five. Yeah, five yeah, prompts. Yes. And if you get stuck, I've got. I've got yes. a few. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> let's let's collaborate. Um, I think one of the the first ones is coming back to your own childhood, your own upbringing, your own culture, and particularly for white people, recognizing what culture bloody well means. Um, I know that uh, as a white person I will go, what is white culture? I, I, I don't have an answer. Um, but Isn't it like Vegemite on toast? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimately this morning I'm Quiches, white as hell. that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Meat pies, oh, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> Not a very good white person. <laughs> Although, mm, yeah, veganism, anyway. <laughs> Implicit bias, right? Assumption. Yes. Correct, correct. Um, and okay, so think yes. about your childhood yes. and your family of origin. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, you might have had all the Grim Reaper ads. If you grew up in the 90s, you would have had Will and Grace, you would, and so on and so forth. So, how do we, yeah. how do we phrase that into a question? So, think back yeah. to maybe yes, primary school or kind of those yes. more formative years. Absolutely. How were queer people represented? Okay, great. So think yeah. about your early childhood experiences. Yep. Um, how were queer people represented? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And if they weren't, yes, that's something too, right? Correct, correct. And
if that absence say is possibly uh, that, that's a second question <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so think yes. about your childhood yep. what uh, how were queer people represented yes yep when they weren't represented what did that say did that say that we don't talk about these people we don't talk mm -hmm. about bruno <laughs> we these are people who are ostracized or was it more of a these people don't exist what are you talking about and you know i'm thinking particularly of non-binary people in this instance that particularly you know for myself growing up in the mm. 90s early 2000s male female full stop end of story mm. what did that say about yeah. otherness and particularly in a rural context for myself where footy ruled everything um what did that say Thank God you haven't mentioned bloody cats again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and I have to say, low-key support. Okay. But yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So, yeah, what yes. did the absence say? Mm. Yes, absolutely. Because what we don't talk about yes. has a message too. Yes, okay. absolutely. So that's kind of yes. question. We'll get, take that as two. Yes. So what did the exclusion of, of certain things yes. mean? Mean, yep, absolutely. Um, You've got some questions in there too. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say... Um, looking at gender roles so we've been talking about gender yes. and sexuality so have a look at your family of origin yes and think about what messages did you receive about gender norms and gender roles absolutely um, yes what's appropriate to wear um boys don't cry that's not ladylike you know i've never heard anyone say that's not lordly like but yes. a lot of things weren't ladylike so absolutely. how was gender spoken about or your gender norms and absolutely. that one's unavoidable because yeah. you saw them being acted out absolutely. in households with neighbours yes. um, and not the TV show neighbours although yeah, that's probably that too, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> depending on how much you engaged in um, that yes yeah. so yeah so there's kind of three for you yes. and we'll um, we'll have these written out in the downloadable as well so you can reflect yes. on them they'll be on the first couple of um, exercises two more absolutely um, yeah, I think, I think I, I'd, yeah, expand on that as well. That, um, yeah, looking at, you know, your family versus other families, your your neighbourhood and, and so forth as well is is really, really important. I think, looking at, uh, I suppose your, your, your reaction to, when implicit biases come up for you when, something starts to slip out of your mouth or if the thought comes up in the back of your mm. head what's your instinct on that and so when you catch yourself yes. which is great you're reflecting you're yes. acknowledging yes you've caught yourself out with an assumption yep yep it's i suppose bringing the 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 internal camera outwards to bring it out of your brain and into mm. what are you seeing and what what are your actions how are you speaking yeah. are you speaking at all are you avoiding it completely? So you are you saying in the room or in, in, a, yep. in an interaction with somebody or yep. afterwards in your reflection? Oh, yeah, look, probably, maybe both, probably yep. both. Um, but probably start with your interaction with your client, your neighbour, your whoever. And So is this something yep. like sort of saying, um, you mm. know, a, a kid coming to session and saying like the car broke down it's like oh so it was dad able to change the tire like yeah. that kind of yes. and then you just yep. think yeah what if they don't have dad or what if that's it 
why why men knowing how to change tires all of a sudden like exactly sort of playing like when you catch yourself yes yes absolutely and and when or, or even when you know someone on the intake form because it always comes down to the intake form says that they're in a relationship you know a man's in a relationship with a man for instance how do you notice you react to that in your brain and how does your body language change what's your first instinct mm. to do with that do you want to pry and go mm -hmm. and you know that many examples of of queer people being asked inappropriate questions about their relationships or their bodies yep. and do you tend towards that do you go oh gay oh geez i don't know what to do uh, avoid all right great that's a really yeah. good one yeah i'd like yeah. to add to that if yeah. you have it in your intake form you should yeah. be prepared for what the answers could be Absolutely. if you're not going to do something with that information yeah. why is it in your intake form yes and this great. goes for big organizations too like yes. if you're not going to use the preferred name yes. why have it in the intake form if you're not yes. going to do something with the information yes. if you're not going to read it before the session or the interact like yeah. it shouldn't be in there that's either it. do something with it Yes. Because that person has either had some relief that, oh, yes, it's seen. on there. Yes. And then you're like, so tell me about who's in your life right now. Or, Do you have a, a girlfriend or boyfriend? And they've clearly written, I have a boyfriend. So That's it. That's it. Yes. If you're not going to use it, get it out of your intake form. Absolutely. And, and similarly <laughs> goes for if you've got the rainbow flag on your door or whatever it might be, back that up. But yes. Ooh, yes. I like that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, so check in. So we've got, um, think about how queer, uh, queer representation growing up. Mm, yep. And then if there was the absence of that, what that meant or what that implied. Absolutely. Um, it's looking at gender roles and gender norms. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth one is your reaction. Yes. What you do when you uh, get confronted with one of your own biases. Absolutely final kind of wrap up yeah and look this might be a leap ahead but it's at least one to look i'd encourage you for this one to think on it and regularly come back to it of what can you do instead of how can you show up instead and i think one thing that um comes to mind that you know you, you can take away and, and play with yourself is to when i was running a, an lgbtiq group at a university i was working at um, we had a ritual of whenever somebody disclosed their pronouns, their gender, their sexuality, of we all clapped and cheered. Of, and it could be, you know, someone says, oh, I'm gay, of going, oh, yay, awesome. Um, of showing that affirmation first. Mm -hmm. Partly because it's a, I, I really like it because it helps to impart, if we can get into that habit, it helps to impart override some of, our implicit biases and helps to neutralize it and helps us to um yeah start to take a different turn with it of i've just affirmed that and that goes back into our brain as a oh i just affirmed that so that must be a good thing okay and on that will flow um so the question is to start thinking about what could you do instead yes yes absolutely some some little shortcuts that you know work for you and the way that you work and your yeah what will mm. help to hijack neutralize that yeah. I just had a thought as you were yes. saying that awesome. around the, maybe not toxic positivity but yeah, if yeah. you're so affirming and you're working yeah. with someone who comes out 
yes. you might forget that that's a really big effing deal for them. Yes. So it might be like, yes. oh yeah, cool, yeah, you're queer, no problems. Absolutely. And they might have just been mulling this over and grappling with all this internalised homophobia or fear or my parents love me or my friends accept me and you're just like yeah moving on so finding this balance of acknowledging maybe celebrating absolutely not dismissing and and it's we're never going to get it right though right so it could actually be asking yes that was that the first time you've said that out loud absolutely how's that for you is this something is this one of those like high five moments or just kind of move on like use your self to your personality to shine. I love that. Yes. And because that's what my teens would love a high five. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, do we need like a mini dance party? And yes. they'll put on their favorite song and we'll have a little boogie. Yes. Um, people must think we're absolutely bonkers if they could see through the window. Yes. <laughs> They're the best sessions. Right. So, some really yes. great tips um, yeah. for those who are really interested in this. We've, mm. um, I say we, but Lachlan's mostly been working on a downloadable. Yes. So, there'll be a link to that in the show notes where you'll have um, some journaling prompts and a bit of a workbook that you can you can work through at your own pace to help you start challenging some of these implicit biases and mm. yeah absolutely improve your practice because we're all trying to do that little bit by little bit awesome yeah thanks so much terrific thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the inside socialist podcast i hope you've enjoyed uh, my chats with lachlan they'll be around for a few more episodes while we take a bit of a deep dive into gender and sexuality, diversity, LGBTQIA+, um, guest practice, how we can be more inclusive practitioners and start to reflect on our own biases, uh, learn about different ways of communicating, a whole bunch of good stuff coming up. Don't forget to, uh, if you're interested in that downloadable, that workbook where Lachlan has some prompt questions for you, it's a, a really great resource to help reduce implicit bias and really reflect on yourself as a practitioner working um, with LGBTQIA young people or old people in general um, and some ways to I guess improve your practice and where to from here so check that out there'll be a link in the show notes and I hope you have a lovely day thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode the Inside Social Work podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast today and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support the podcast, you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and feel free to join the Facebook group. It'd be great to hear from you. Have a lovely day. Bye.